right. Hello, and welcome back. To... <laughs> you forgot how to do the opening. Catching my throat, sorry. Hello, and welcome back to Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm leaving that in. I'm David. Uh. <laughs> so I hope everybody had a uh, had a nice little holiday because uh, we are back. Uh, yeah, we you know we needed some time to recover from. Uh, Code Hero. Uh, we all had to watch that new Star Wars movie a couple of times. Yeah, oh, so good. But today we are back in action with Transmutate. Yeah. yeah, wow. There's a lot to unpack in this episode. There is a lot yeah, to unpack. Yeah. This first aired, uh, and this is, uh, I guess, this is our first episode of uh, 2016, which will mark the 20th anniversary of Beast Wars. Yay. Conveniently falling in the year of the monkey. Well, starting in February. <laughs> Oh. Well, Optimus Minor will be pleased. Yeah. Conveniently falling in the year of man, I feel old. <laughs> Indeed. This particular episode first aired March 10th, 1998, and was written by Christy Marks, uh, who has had a long career in animation, probably best known for uh, creating Gem and the Holograms. Yeah. Oh, huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, she also wrote a lot of G.I. Joe and uh, a lot of War Planets, but I think this is her only Transformers work. Yeah, there was a Notoriously. Uh, she was going to have a second episode in Season 3 mm-hmm. that was called Dark Glass. Uh, the I guess we'll get to that when we get to season three, but there, there's a whole thing behind that. Yeah, yeah there's a whole story. story there, possibly pertinent to this episode. The the rumor was that it was just too dark, but the official word is that no, it just didn't have as much action as you know was was wanted for an action show. Oh. Well, yeah, too dark after last episode and this episode. This episode is what nice. we like to call hella dark. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a real downer. Yeah. This was also the second day of the final five when it originally aired. Uh, because as I mentioned last episode, uh, these originally aired on Cartoon Network for a change. Uh, even though the series had been syndicated up to that point and they were, you know, touted as the final five episodes of season two. And yeah, there was last episode and then there's this episode. So it was it was a hella dark final five. Yes. Yeah, a much better final five than uh, the final five episodes of season two of G1 Transformers. Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure (laughs) Bot is one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Bot is absolutely one of those. Yeah, if Transformers has had stopped then, Bot would be the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good episode. No. No. There's like a few good minutes in it that are all swindle and the rest is <laughs> mess. Yeah, it's, 
it's a good Swindle episode, and I'm really impressed with Swindle's staying power as a character, you know, considering that considering he was just... episode. <laughs> well, that, and just considering that he was a a combiner limb. I mean, yeah, apart how from many combiner limbs have personalities? <laughs> I mean, apart from my fixation on the aerial bots, that's like and, the um... only combiner limb who's ever gotten that much attention. And toy-wise, he's clearly the worst of the uh, Combaticons. It's not good. Not good. It's a nice mustard yellow, though. Yes, but his his arms are like at like his shoulders or at his waist. He looks really goofy. (laughs) (laughs) I really ought to buy a second animated swindle to do up in red and purple camo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, G2. But anyway, so transmute. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we, we open with uh, Megatron, who is uh, having a little snooze, and also, I guess, getting an IV drip of Energon while he sleeps. Yeah, that was weird. That's interesting. I mean, I guess that's how they refuel while they sleep. Yeah, but most apparently do that in pods or something. It's just. Something we've never seen before and we'll never see again. I mean, we've actually never seen anybody refueling on this, so I guess that's what happens. Oh, yeah. We've seen them eating, well, gray apples, but not... Yes, and wild bean vines and their own clones. (laughs) Well, that was off screen. But yeah, yeah, no one has ever ingested Energon in the raw. No, so I guess that's how it happens. Uh, whilst this is happening, uh, Rampage, in crab mode, creeps in, and the lights are on way too high out in the hall. That's going to wake him up right away. So. <laughs> and he tries to grab his squeeze box spark. <laughs> but, unfortunately, Megatron is a light sleeper. Yeah. Maybe he's light sensitive. His eyes clearly are. They seem to be nodding in and out as he muttered in his sleep. Yeah. No, or... Maybe it's just really hard for a gigantic metal crab to sneak up on anybody. Yeah. And yet he did that in his debut episode. This is true. Well, he had softer... It was like a swamp then. Now yeah. Now it's a metal floor, and he's a metal crab. Yeah, the, the ting-ting makes more... It's got to sound like somebody banging a bunch of pots together. Tension yeah. that squish, squish. I wonder if it would have been quieter if he used his... quieter if he used his tank mode. That thing's got to be noisy. Yeah. True. Unlike the toys version, which is probably quiet. Yeah. Well, it's quiet until it pops off and stops working. Yes. At which point, the sound of you swearing is pretty noisy. Indeed. Anyway, that, that's a really short scene that just reinforces, oh, Rampage is under the thumb of Megatron. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Rattrap, Silverbolt, and Cheetor are looking for another jamming tower, uh, but this particular region they're in is quite seismically unstable. And Rattrap is making some really yep. terrible dad jokes. Yep. I love Scott McNeil delivering exposition to Scott McNeil. And <laughs> yes. Silverbolt not getting Rattrap's terrible dad joke is awesome. Oh, I, I, I think he got it. He's just totally no-selling it because it's terrible. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I don't think he gets it at first, but then when he does get it, it's like, no, that's not funny. I'm not, I'm not going to pay attention to that. And... and the way I'm not going the, to encourage you, Rat Trap. The way the ground shakes is shown weird at first anyway. Like, the background shakes, and the ground shakes, but everybody's head doesn't shake. It's like like the camera is attached to their heads, and everything else is shaking. 
It's, the directing is sort of weird on this one. People's yeah. movements look a little weird. It, it gets better, but just that shot was like, that seems wrong to me. Visually, it was weird. I'm not sure. I got a new TV, and I'm not sure. This is the first thing I'm watching on it, and so I'm not sure if I haven't taken it out of that mode that makes everything look like a soap opera or not. So I'm not sure if it was just me. <laughs> you might have to adjust. Well, I... I think there's yeah, the, the motion smoothing. Yeah, you need to turn off the motion smoothing motion oh. interpolation. Oh so. yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if that would that work with animated shows as well. Yeah. Yeah. Even more. So. It does it with any video that gets put into it, unless you specifically tell it not to. Okay. It might not happen automatically in like game mode, but yeah, everything else will do that unless you turn it off. Okay, I thought I had turned it off, but I wasn't sure whether that worked for animation or not. It might be on a per-input setting, too. Okay. Okay, so... This has been Stasis Pod, the television troubleshooting podcast. Yes. So, yeah, uh, Megatron detects them in this area. He sends Inferno and Rampage out to uh, out to mess with them. And uh, Optimus Primal also goes out because, uh, again, crazy earthquakes. And I, he's why not did Megatron build a jamming tower? Friends. Yes. Hmm? So that was a nice little nod there, because... Uh, he's lost three in the past uh, four episodes. We've got a uh, we've got a real skeleton crew going on the axolon here. Did I just hear a weird beeping noise? I think so. Uh, yeah, I think my headset went down for a second. I didn't okay. realize it would beep at everyone. Okay. I'm working on it. But accompanied with these earthquakes are is weird purple energy. Is is this an energon earthquake? I no, I think that's coming from the pod. Oh. Yeah, I don't know why he's building a jamming tower on Earthquake Central, but uh, maybe he didn't check first. So, so my question is: Do uh, do earthquakes? That's like a popular cartoon thing for earthquakes to cause that like these chasms to open up. <laughs> is that something that ever actually happens in real life? That well, no. It well, it, it's it's a landslide effect, kind of, but. Well, the sinking down would, the the jutting up and raising 50 feet in the air, no, that... Or, you know, just the giant chasm breaking open like rumble is off screen. Yeah, that that, yeah. Not, that could happen over multiple quakes over years, but that quickly, I don't think no, so. I, this <laughs> like is the, like that scene from the opening of Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> yes. yes. With and Red like I, I realize it's a popular cartoon thing, but yeah. Yeah, it's a but popular anyway, yeah, cartoon for no basis in reality. Yes. <laughs> Much like falling boulders. <laughs> this is Rattrap almost, get, almost gets caught in this, but luckily he gets away thanks to Ra- Cheetor catching him, despite Cheetor not having opposable thumbs. He manages. Also, they both get zapped by some weird energy field thing and fall to the ground anyway. Yes. Also, I've noticed in this episode that that sadly Megatron does seem to have broken Inferno of calling him my queen. Yeah. However, briefly. Yeah. Happened a few episodes ago that he he was sticking to royalty, I think. He was like, Mm -hmm. Megatron was like really mad about it or something. I think it happened after the time that the Dinobot switched sides. Uh-uh. Yeah, I think it was around there. Yeah, because Dinobot rubbed it in. That yes. that is a nice little bit of continuity, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that he has continued not calling him my queen. Yes. So yeah, this, uh, this unearths a stasis pod that is also bristling with this crazy purple energy. Yeah, also, we, rocks fall on everyone. We found the life holes! Yes. Hooray! I've been Yay. playing too much Xeno Gears. I, I, my first thought was life hold, not stasis pod. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so now they're back to the stasis pod as well. Uh, Inferno reaches there first, but Silverbolt kind of weirdly grabs and throws him in a way that makes no sense. It yeah. looks really weird. So you remember how back at, like, the beginning of the season, we thought that maybe the term Fusor was was used, like, once and then never again? That's not the case at all. <laughs> no, it turns out it's all the time. Yeah. Because <laughs> Inferno calls Silverbolt a Fusor as, as they're fighting. Yes. Which, I mean, you know, gotta sell those toys, I guess. Yeah, it's right there on the packaging. And they're certainly selling a lot of those silver bolts this year, because he is in a lot of these episodes. Oh, yeah. yeah. We get that trumpet sting all over the place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, well, he's, he's a fun character. People want to write him. Yeah. And, and I guess, also, they have been writing about him for a season already. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure helps. Almost everybody else gets pushed to the background. On both uh-huh. sides. Uh, yeah, this is a real selling the new toys episode because uh, there's a lot of rampage in this one too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no quick strike though. No quick yeah. strike. No. I mean, I, I can only as it doesn't seem like it's just conveniently selling the toys though. So I'm gonna forgive them on this one yeah. because it it is because of their characters and who they are and and how they interact with. Well, it's kind of it's kind of A follows B. Sell yeah. these new toys. Find a way to sell these new toys. Oh, we found a way to sell these new toys. Well, at least Silverbolt. <laughs> Sorry, Quick Strike. Yeah, I suppose that works. Well, Quick Strike was a basic. Yeah. Yeah, that's. By uh, which I mean, right. he likes to wear Uggs and leggings and get pumpkin spice lattes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, a rampage. Now you know he he's interested in this pod, and he uh, gives a little pep talk as its computer is warning that its destruction is imminent. And he can... just a pep talk. It seems like he's doing the emotional vampire thing again. Yes, he says yeah. he can feel the yeah. emotions and the he's, power. He's doing a very sort of empathic kind of weird thing. Which is creepy. He is creepy. He's creepy in this episode. Because it, It's like, well, if we're taking that he is an emotional vampire, it means he can feel... The emotions in this pod, which means he should be able to feel everybody else's emotions. Or he's just crazy and he's talking to an inanimate stasis pod. I mean, <laughs> well, I thought either of those. It could be both. It could I'm, just I'm be never the going particularly to... strong and simple emotions. I'm never going yeah. to say that he's not crazy. So. <laughs> yes. I'm never going well, no, to. I mean, as established that. later in the show, he eats people. Yeah. 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 Later in this episode. Uh, it. I didn't notice, well, I guess he hasn't had much chance to talk. He talks with the horns on the side of his head. Yes, that is great. That's, yes, that's, he emotes oh, with them. He, I did not remember that at all. And and it's, it's in a weird way, it reminds me of how Wheeljack talked in G1, like his ears would light up. Oh, Only, yeah. Yes. 
Protoform X oh, just has yeah. these spikes that grow and animate. They're like gesturing little hands almost on the side of his head. Yeah. I mean, Those are really I really cool. like Rampage's head design with the crazy sideways mouth. and yeah, It's very expressive for something that's only kind of a face. Yeah. yeah. It has eyes and, and maw and... Something vaguely resembling a mouth. Yeah. It's weird. And yeah, a bunch the of really distinct eyebrows help, I think. Yes. Yeah. That kind of gets the basic emotions across, and then everything else just kind of gives it that delightful flourish that makes him seem creepy and alien while still getting everything across that it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this pep talk works, and this pod explodes, and uh, Rattrap is very surprised at what's coming out, because what's coming out is weird. Commercial break. Yeah, it's a com- his commercial yes. break re- reaction is so dramatic, considering yes. what comes out. I mean, well, it's, I mean pretty, it's pretty dramatically weird. Yeah. And here we get to the point where we have to unpack some stuff about what comes out. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, what comes out is voiced by uh, voice director Susan Blue. Yay! Also known as RC from Generation 1. And also from Animated. Oh, yes. sir. It was... Yeah. The voices modulated so oddly, I couldn't tell. I thought it might have been Venus Terzo. I mean, I it, it's I hard to tell even that it's a woman doing the voice. Yeah. Well, it, it well, does still sound fairly feminine. I yeah. Mean, it, that's, and that's one of the things that we need to, to unpack here, is because Transmutate very clearly reads as female. Kind of. It's, if you're going to read a gender on Transmutate, you'd go female, kind of, but... It's a very androgynous figure in a yeah. series that's either very masculine-coded or very feminine-coded. Yes. And is such a majority masculine-coded that you'd kind of weigh oh, androgynous yeah. as femme-coded. Yeah, Transmutate is this gold and, and turquoise, asymmetrical, strange-looking... The, the face is very human, the most human face of any of the characters, but in yeah. such a weird, like scream face kind of way it, it, it manages to be endearing and frightening at the same time yes. and if if you haven't seen it I would say take a moment to google it and if yeah. you haven't seen it recently I would still say yeah. to take a moment to google it yeah I I think the considering a lot of the, like we were saying Rampage his inhuman face is really well animated Transmutate's face is the most well animated humanoid face they've done it, it kind of reminds me of the water face from the abyss. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, a lot like that. It, it's well animated, but it looks creepily inhuman. Yes, yeah. it's because it's, of just it's, how it's, smooth it is and how it's in the old uncanny valley. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's what they were sure. going for, so it's not a complaint. No, it works. Yeah, but anyway, everybody on the on the show, including uh, you know. The characters who are nice to transmutate, uh, they all use the pronoun it. Yeah. Yeah, which is very, very interesting. Except for, I don't think Rampage ever calls transmutate it. I don't I think, think transmutate it. No, I'm pretty sure there isn't there an it belongs to me. Oh, right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you can understand that from Megatron, and it it may be, I mean, okay, keep in mind, again, like we said towards the beginning, this aired in 1998. Yeah. So we did not have quite so much 
you know, radical gender theory sort of stuff or even, you know, radical disability theory stuff as we have now. So we have context for these sorts of things that weren't really necessarily going to be open and known to people dealing with this show at the time. Uh, and and it does make me wonder if, in a modern context, if they would have gone with a singular they, or perhaps had characters like Megatron use it when characters like Rampage and Silverbolt would use they, yeah. or, you know, whether... It, it's, it would be interesting to see how differently it would be dealt with if tackled by, you know, some of the more aware. And certainly we, I mean, James Roberts comes to mind as one of the more aware Transformers writers of, yeah. of modern times. If someone like see- he were to take on a character like that, how the pronouns would have been handled. Yeah. But again, might- this... Mm-hmm. We might see something like this in the comics if they're going to do something like this again, but yeah. in the modern context with just that much more general knowledge and awareness of the themes that this episode is kind of dealing with, I don't think anything intended for TV would touch this with a 10-foot pole. No, probably not. Well, because now we're also looking at it from a perspective of what's going on now with like the Transformers comics and gender as it is. We're projecting a little bit onto this thing, which is... No, again, I mean, transmutate gender is not really an issue on, no, in this episode. Yeah, it's not. A- yeah. But I, I will say that personally, I was surprised to revisit the episode and discover that transmutate was not female gendered in the episode because yeah. I had remembered things that way. I don't know if it's just because the fans who I tended to communicate with had, you know, generally referred to transmutate as female. Uh, like I said, I personally think that transmutate breeds as female. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess the question for us is then going forward with the, discussing this episode, do we, do we want to continue with it or do we want to use a singular they or maybe I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have trouble not using she yeah. because I mean, she's probably okay. They did the, uh, the, the club did a, uh, you know, spoilers for the end of this episode, but, uh, despite the end of this episode, Transmutate has had a surprisingly long afterlife in further Transformers media. Yeah. And was the subject of a, uh, like a story, uh, from the club with, uh, Protoform X. I think, uh, did, uh, Greg Seplak and Trent Troop write that one? I think so. Okay, so that's probably actually good then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, written with some sensitivity, and in that, uh, Transmutate is female. Also, yeah. uh, apparently the original casting description included with the script for the episode does gender Transmutate as female. Okay. 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 So we'll go with she. Yeah, I I think it it would be it would be fair. We'll we'll note here that throughout the episode, other characters refer to transmutate as it. But uh, given the casting, official stuff, and and everything else, I think she is good. Yes. Oh, and uh, speaking of Susan Blue, uh, Rattrap refers to his great aunt RC. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Which it's yeah. just such a quick line you would almost miss it because. You hear the great aunt, and he kind of quickly goes through R.C. 
that you might wait. Wait, what did he say? But since we have DVDs, yeah, he definitely said Archie. Yes, yeah. or, or back in my day, VHS, so we could just rewind it. I, I will note that I can probably find my VHS tape that just says Beast Wars Final Five on the on the label. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is part of how I have it burned into my head that these were the final five, and I keep bringing that up. It's because that's what my VHS tape was labeled, because that was how it was advertised on Cartoon Network at the time that it came out. I want to see the Bob from Toonami interstitials between the commercial breaks. I'll, you know, I should see if I can find that. Ooh, yeah. I don't know if I. I don't know if I if I took those out, but I'll I'll have to see if I can find that because I do. Yeah. Given given my uh, archival tendencies, I do actually have a working VHS player still. Mm. They so, do exist. They yeah. do. It's covered in so much they dust. They do exist. That I, Okay. But I still have it. So I'll see if I can find those. I, I, I'm assuming it's just in a back room, like at the end of Raiders. <laughs> That's kind of how my entire apartment is, though. Yeah. We're going we to put top men on uh, getting that uh, VCR running. Yeah. I mean, I, I, was, I was looking for something the other day, and I'm like, oh, here's a VHS copy of the Lensman anime and, like, five different editions of Alice in Wonderland and a ferret. And that's that's kind of how my apartment is. I used to work at a used book. I, I don't know if I mentioned that on the podcast before, but I used to work at a used bookstore for about three years. So I've accumulated an astonishing amount of obsolete technology and obsolete <laughs> stories. So, yes, I will see if I can find that. Yay. I'll so, yes, he he that. And I've mentioned before how, you know, whenever any of these references crept into Beast Wars, and we will get into this more in the next episode, uh, how the old school fandom was always like, yay! So we we all took a moment to cheer for Great Aunt Arcee and occasionally have this debates over how serious that was, like whether it was literal or... <laughs> oh, that That's a discussion for another day, how... Yeah, have an ant. How, yeah, how how transformers would have ants? I mean, and they have cousins. Apparently, like they also apparently have grunge, based on you know random references in Beast Wars. So I don't know how seriously we can really. Pick these. And in this uh, this episode, uh, they have erector sets. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> At one point, Rat Trap refers to uh, transmutate as a nutty erector set. Yeah. On the other hand, right. Cheetor does drop Rat Trap about 20 feet after Rat Trap starts complaining he's being lifted by his tail. So I'm not sure whether or not we need to take the numbers down off the Cheetor did something stupid, hasn't done something stupid oh. sign. Yeah, he did That's that intentionally, true. and then Rat Trap calls him a chrome hairball. <laughs> Which was very timely, because like a minute later I heard a cat hacking up a hairball behind my couch. No, it was not chrome, thankfully. It was long hair, hairball. But I cleaned it up and pet the kitty anyway. Not your fault. <laughs> so, yes. So, so, so yeah, Rampage is, you know, he, he's telling uh, Transmute to kill the Maximals, and <laughs> Silverbolt is trying to offer it friendship. And then Inferno shows up and shoots it, <laughs> and it just blasts everybody. Yes, yeah. because as... Well, not Again, everybody to, uh, except Rampage, it looks like. 
I think that Adam Page is either staying in the right place or he's just the biggest and the toughest. Well, he's protofibular. You can't kill. You can't kill him, and his spark is only partially in his body, so he's just yes. immune. Yeah, but to uh, again reference more than meets the eye, uh, transmutate as it turns out is what we would call an outlier. Uh, I guess. Ah, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of power in this. It has like a sort of energy. Sorry, I keep doing that. Uh, she has like an energy scream that shorts people out. Yeah, she's got like this crazy banshee scream sonic wave thing. And I guess it sort of makes uh, the air warp, like uh, like when you look over a fire, and it's a really cool effect. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's kind of weird that Rampage names transmutate here, and then yes. goes on to call say, "I'm your friend, your only friend." And then we cut to another scene where Rampage goes through a longer naming monologue where he describes yes. her and comes to the conclusion that Transmutate is an appropriate name. Yeah, he named her yeah. like three times. We got the scene twice, sort of. Yes. Partly transmetal, but also a mutant. <laughs> partly metal, okay, partly Okay, Rampage. Mute, well, I guess maybe because he considers himself a mutant, maybe? Well, we, we... Well, I guess we... They did previously refer to uh, Starscream as having an, a mutant, uh, indestructible spark. Oh, yeah, they did. Huh. Okay, so it, it does kind of work. But, but it's and, weird uh, just how he says it, calls her transmutate, and then does it again. Like the Yeah, there's definitely like some it. sort of script error there or some sort yeah, of... Yeah, some sort of editing. Transposed something. Editing, people. Come on, editing. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, Bob Forward. You're supposed to be on this stuff. And there's also a really weird cut in there where Silverbolt is really relieved to see Optimus, and then we don't see Optimus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, one of the weirdest yep. things in the entire episode, watching Transmutate walk. That yeah. is a weird walk That's, cycle. She has a very mechanical yeah, expressiveness, just motions. Her her motions are animated very mechanically. Yeah. And right. in in addition to that, also, you know, she's got this very misshapen. Yeah, she's got like one regular leg and one digigrade leg, and right. Her so head I, that would be super hard to, I imagine, to animate walking in yeah. any sort of normal fashion. Yeah. The end result is something that's a bit Ministry of Silly Woxy. Yes. Uh, a bit, but poor transmutation. Inferno catches up with him and uh, you know says, "Okay, we we got to take uh, Transmutate to uh, to Megatron." And then Megatron sends his. It's the return of Megatron's giant floating head. <laughs> oh wait, Yay! no. Isn't this after um, Protoform X or Rampage says he would consider eating Inferno or something? He goes full yes, hand. Uh, have I ever told you how much I like ants? Prefer- <laughs> preferably uh, with a fried with a side of grated gears. Yeah. Fried in mech fluid. Yes. Fr- yeah. Fried in a subtle blend of mech fluid and grated gears, because sometimes uh, Rampage is just Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Also, he's uh, Campbell Lane again, correct? Yeah, Campbell Lane. He does such an excellent job in this episode. Oh, yes. He's, he's carrying just... a lot of this episode. Yeah. yeah, he does just, he's really good. He's really good this he and, he and Scott McNeil are the MVPs here. Yeah, very much. Yeah. And especially cool. Campbell Lane has such tonal shifts to handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, a Rampage is sort of very tender and, uh, you know, friendly with uh, 
transmutate, but then sometimes he's also a blathering maniac. Yeah, that's part of it, is just his, you know, you can, even though he's got that very, almost, you know, that very scary sort of menacing voice, just the way it just shifts like that, it's it's good. It's a good job, mm. some good acting. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, Megatron's giant floating head's back. Ah, oh, I love his giant floating head. And his giant he's floating well, head is a giant floating asshole. <laughs> Pretty yes. much. Yes. He's like, well, this thing looks dumb. Yeah, this is Maybe ugly. We should no. just kill it. Uh, looks like Grand a mutate. Ugly name for an ugly creature. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, he wants to kill it, and then they try to convince. Uh, Rampage says, "No, no, no. We may be able to use her, or transmutate." And, and then they try to convince transmutate to transform, and she can't. That's come but, on. Yeah. Look at her. She yeah, clearly has no ult mode. And and then Megatron's all hating on Action Masters. No, destroy that thing. <laughs> a jerk. Come on, we can't sell that. Yeah. It'll have to be a builder figure in the tenth anniversary set. Nobody yeah. wants that. Yeah. <laughs> and also, we ship when Rampage gives him a little lip or whatever he has instead of lips. Uh, we shift from the giant floating head to the giant floating hand. Yes. That's uh, crushing uh, Rampage's uh, squeeze box spark. Yes, apparently whatever he uses to capture that image of his head, he just sticks the, the spark box into. Oh, is this, is this foreshadowing of one of the old modes of the Megatron from the first Robots in Disguise? Oh, hey, he'll, he'll be both a giant head in the next series, and the series after that, a giant hand. Yeah. Sadly, they didn't continue with this, and uh, like Armada had Megatron turning into a giant foot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late with Combiner Wars, we can have an all-Megatron Combiner. Oh, so good. Anyway, so this doesn't go so well, but uh, Rampage does eventually convince Megatron to bring him the Maximal's heads. So uh, Optimus Primal and Silverbolt are splitting up. They're looking for Transmutate. Uh, Silverbolt is... He's very nice in this episode, but he's also kind of a dope. Yeah, he's... what he is. And he walks (laughs) into a very obvious trap. Yeah. He is kind of a derp, just in general. Yes. Well, it's like, who else would you have in this role anyway? Rattrap complains that the things getting out of these pods are getting weirder and weirder. Cheetor is a stupid child. You kind of got. If this was season one, this would definitely be a Cheetor episode. Yeah. Yeah. Or a Tigatron episode. Yes, Tigatron. Would have been a better Tigatron episode, probably. Uh, I, I think it, I, I think it works well with ti- with Silverbolt's nobility. Whereas I think yeah. Tigatron kind of has that law of the jungle thing, where he might be inclined to you know let nature take its course. Yeah, yeah. but he he would try to be nice. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, in terms of characters, this is a rampage episode. Yeah. Well, yes. yeah. Oh yeah. It's a really odd rampage episode. Rampage has emotions other than eat. Eat your face. I mean, prior to this, Rampage has basically just been a monster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's still a monster in this episode, but, you know, he's one of those monsters that you feel bad once the uh, villagers with torches catch up to him. Uh, I don't... No. He's really emotionally manipulative towards Transmutate. Well, yes. Because yeah, he only likes Transmutate because she's powerful. And well, no, she's he... like him. 
it's well yes mm. and strange like him he he yes. likes her because he's sort of projecting this image of himself onto her that that she's monstrous and he's monstrous and and i think this too is a lot of where the uh you know the the whole question of gender comes into play is because she is treated as a very sort of like like a romantic object i want to yeah, say yeah it's kind, kind of, of a narcissistic one-sided romance on yeah it, it's a little bit bride of frankenstein yeah i mean he's he's creepy he's being kind of creepy about it yeah he's being a creeper yes he's yes. a creeper but it's still the one nice thing he does yeah in such a weird way I mean, it, it feels less intentionally creepy than, say, a tarantulas. Yeah, if it had been a tarantulas... Like Rampage is just horribly deluded. Yeah. 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 He really thinks he's doing the right thing, whereas tarantulas knows he's not doing the right thing, but he does it anyway, it. <laughs> because he's tarantulas. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, anyway, Silverbolt falls for this hilariously obvious trap. Uh, you know, Rampage tries to let... Uh, Transmutate, have the killing blow, but when she hesitates, Inferno knocks her aside, and he's going to finish Silverbolt himself, but then she just blows him up. Blasts him into the horizon Team Rocket style. He goes hell of a far. To save Silverbolt. Primal shows up, uh, drops a gigantic rock on uh, Rampage, (laughs) because giant rock's the bane of all Predacons. Yeah, how is this still up there after the earthquakes from earlier in the episode? <laughs> it was <laughs> just hanging on. They've walked to a different location. It might be far enough away, but yeah, kind of. It should have been in range. They had to go walk to where there were some more rocks that hadn't been knocked down yet. We can't. We can't have the trap here. There are no rocks to fall on anybody. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's take a path home that tarantulas has never walked on. There's no boulders. <laughs> We yes, also get so, kind of a creepy sequence of Rampage offering instructions for how Transmutate can use her energy blast powers. It's kind of like Palpatine instructing Luke to give in to his anger. Yes. Well, yeah, well, and it kind of works, because each time Transmutate uses her power, it's more focused. Like, the first time is just this wide area attack, and then eventually she's concentrating into a beam. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this does, again, play into how narcissistic this is of him that he's you know talking about oh this darkness within you and I mean apart from the fact that her energy blasts seem to have a you know purpley black blue sort of thing going on I I don't see what this darkness is yeah I mean the, the, the power when she uses her powers there's sort of that visual key of of sort of dark colors and all but yeah i'm not i'm not seeing where he's thinking she's full of darkness well it could be like he's mistaking her power for his own power which he views as dark i mean that that could be again because he's being a narcissist about it yeah Yeah. whereas you know personality wise transmuted is very sort of innocent and childlike yeah doesn't seem to really have any darkness Mm. no yeah, kind of creepily childlike in this context. Yes. That makes Rampage's crab boner even more creepy. Yeah. Uh, Hella dark, guys. Hella dark. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Silverbolt uh, keeps Transmutate from blasting Primal, and uh, 
they fly off, uh, including Transmutate, who has a little Wait. crystal in her back that allows her to fly. Yeah, which, yeah she talks. The, is her first very line, happy. Is her first line hurt earlier? I think that's the first line she says. No, I, she says her own name at some point, like repeating oh. it after uh, Rampage. I think that's it. Yeah, because I'd kind of forgotten she talked at all. I thought she was just like Black Bolt. Anytime she opens her mouth, there was a sound effect. I mean, there's there's a there's, there's a lot of dialogue that implies but, that. Ooh. Yeah, uh, and they they get away just in time for Rampage to uh, bust out of his rocks and <laughs> get really clingy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is will so not have it. His optimus. girlfriend is gone. <laughs> yes, you will not have it, Optimus. The darkness of its spark echoes my own. It belongs with me. There's no darkness. She doesn't have any Kendling darkness. Is so good at this. He is, though. He's so good. He's he's selling it, though. Yeah. And we're back at the Maximal base. Rhinox is uh, taking a look at Transmutate, and uh, it's the prognosis is not great. No. no. And Rat Trap's being a real dick about everything here, for some reason. Well, he somebody is. has to be the evil Maximal, who thinks it's I the guess. thing. So I... I will note this is, and this is something that's come up on. Uh, I've been listening to uh, Rachel and Miles explain the X Men, is where this whole sort of thing becomes a very flawed allegory. Uh, like I said, if if you were to look at this as some sort of you know disability allegory, the thing is, yeah, she's got this incredible power. It's like when you try to use mutants like the X Men as some sort of allegory for oppressed groups, it kind of falls apart when you get to the, the point where some of them can just powers. kill people with a thought. Yes. And and so, yeah, this is the point where, and, and that's what uh, Optimus ultimately declares, is that she's basically just too powerful to be allowed to be. That, that they basically need to put her a, down. It's not even... He says she's a danger to herself and everyone around her, but not using those pronouns. Yeah. And then yeah. doesn't even say that she needs to be put down, just that they want to put her into stasis lock until they get back to Earth. Which Cybertron. Back to Cybertron. Yeah, Cybertron. <laughs> no, they might be able to do something for her on Cybertron. Yeah. And stasis lock is not fatal. No. Well, okay. Just, but just going to sleep for a little bit. The, the, the point is that yes, where where the whole allegory breaks down is that she is too powerful to just allow to be as she is. Yeah, she, she's yeah, not actually because she clearly doesn't have that much of a grasp on the level of power that she has. Yeah, they compare yeah. her intellect to like that of a droid. She's yeah, she's not a human. An allegory for anything human. She's an allegory yeah. for a broken machine, which... Okay, a broken thinking sentient machine, but still, it's... It's definitely it's really uncomfortable. On, like, a Star Trek. Yeah. 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 It is, oh, it is. It is like a plot you'd see on Star Trek, and it would be called out as one of those episodes that they didn't quite get right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Star Trek, yeah. Yeah, this this would be like Data finding an alien android. Yeah, and except it's actually like a, a kill bot, and it's brain circuits are scrambled. Yeah. It's an Assaultron. <laughs> I've been playing Fallout 4, I'm sorry. I thought you said an Ultron. No, an Assaultron, which are these disturbingly feminine, like, 
battle robots. <laughs> they aren't even that feminine. It's just they're built vaguely feminine, and also they have a female voice. But also they have terrifying Cyclops-esque eye beams, <laughs> and will bust you up real good. So, uh, so yeah. But they are robots, and they are feminine, and they will kill you quickly. So yeah, Silverbolt is really not having this stasis lock plan. And he calls everybody a fool. Well, he's he's right, but he's wrong. Yeah. Which is the problem. Because like, he's right, they shouldn't be treating her as an object, but she's also damaged and dangerous. Yeah. So it's like, uh, all sides of the argument are right, except, well, kind of Rat Trap. And Rat Trap isn't wrong, he's just <clears throat> an asshole. Yeah, which is how he relates to everybody. It's how he warmed up to Dinobot. Yes. Yeah. It just won't work with Transmutate because she can't understand. Yeah. And she's not cognizant. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Rampage, is he using the radio here or is he telepathic? I. I that is a good question. Radio because Let's not answer it. I, wait, have radios <laughs> worked past the force field in the maximal base before? I think yeah. so. Okay, so maybe it's radio, but the way he's talking, it's like he's projecting his thoughts, not talking. Like the show, let's not explain it. It's just weird. I mean, I I don't think at any point before or since Rampage is ever telepathic. No, or maybe it's because she's so powerful she can hear him out there just talking. Maybe? It's it's not clear, it's just this... Because Rampage knows that Transmutate can hear him. Yeah, it, it's very it, it's hey he's a psychic vampire he's doing vampire stuff. Yeah, it, he's creepy enough that yeah we can just assume he has this power. I mean, it sort of did was presented sort of like it was because of their deep bond. Yeah, that's just I don't buy a deep bond between them. No. It's entirely one sided. No. Yeah. I mean, maybe if they'd explain something about, like, transmutate imprinting onto Rampage like a baby duck or something. Yeah, because he does touch her pod and get his hand shocked before... Aww. Also, yeah. when it explodes, it, like, blows his claws off, or they just forgot to animate them earlier in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Also, immediately after Inferno showed back up, after she kind of came around, Rampage was kind of whispering under his breath about how they were going to destroy their oppressors. And then yeah. Inferno just yells yeah. at them for plotting behind his back. In oh, what may be the most astute Inferno has been in the entire series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He actually noticed. He's the worst to send along with people who are plotting. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's not worse than Scorponok. Scorponok was the worst. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's loyal to a fault, which makes him All a right. good choice, but he's not bright. Yeah. Yeah. But he's he is slightly more competent than Scorponok. Yeah. I, uh, yes and no. Inferno at least has the firepower and strength to back up anything he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scorponok never did. Scorponok was more competent, though, kind of. I mean, intellectually, anyway. Sometimes. <laughs> he can sometimes. Well, yeah. Sometimes he, he was the default stupid guy. Yeah. He's more <laughs> sane. Yeah, and also Inferno usually gets at least one cool episode or cool line per episode about burning something. Yeah, Scorpion. And it's when he says something about uh, "you'll be too busy burning, Maximal." Yeah, Scorpion never really had any good lines. Well, no, because the, uh, I think his 
only attempted one was uh, uh, Guerrilla Warfare when uh, Primal and Dinobot are out, you know, well, let's go get our next specimen. And then just he yells, how about an arachnid? <laughs> and and then I assume everybody just told Scorponok to stop trying. No. Yeah. <laughs> He's like uh, Bumblebee on Robots in Disguise trying to come up with a good uh, catchphrase. It's just not happening. Anyway, so thanks to this psychic command, uh, Transmutate just busts right out of the uh, maximal base. Like, flies right Blade through the ceiling. guys through the wall. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, that is to say, oh, yeah. <laughs> Something about the way she is when she flies, the way she's enjoying flying, just really reminds me of Johnny Five. Yeah. <laughs> just, right. I just want to put that out there. Thankfully, Silverbolt is not faking an Indian accent in this episode. But what if he was? Oh, I mean, I'm sure Scott McNeil can do one. Oh, yeah. And also, it's a cartoon, so he would not also be in an offensive amount of brownface. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have had Indian characters voiced by white guys on Transformers. Yeah, this is true. It's less of a problem in a cartoon than it is in real life. Yes. We also had Casey Kasem quit over racism. So. Yes, yes, indeed. Oh, Carbomia. Damn you. Uh, stupid writers. Very bad. How has Coming the up Simpsons next, had the, the top ten prominent... reasons why you can kiss my ass goodbye. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> How is it that the most prominent Indian character on American television is played by a white guy doing an accent? That guy on Big Bang Theory? Simpsons. Oh, oh Apu. yeah, Apu on The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they only had like five voice actors. They had to make do. Yes. Anyway, so uh, Transmedia goes out to see Rampage, but Silverbolt is also there, and they shoot missiles at each other. Transmutate sort of creates a force field around herself, which intercepts the missiles, and it just blows her up. Yeah. I'm not sure... Is this like an end of uh, Bride of Frankenstein, we belong dead kind of thing? I, I don't know, man. I don't think so. I, it's hard to tell. Like, she was just trying to stop them fighting. She didn't want them to hurt each other. Yeah, it very much came across as her trying to stop the fight because she cared for both of them. Yeah, yeah, she just didn't want them to fight. It's like when Inferno was attacking earlier. She attacked him because she didn't want him fighting. She doesn't like she doesn't like people fighting. And yeah. also Rampage gets in an it is only for me in here, which <laughs> yeah. is yeah, still creepy, Rampage. Rampage, stop being a creeper. Yeah. Seriously. Rampage, you didn't Need to watch Jessica Jones on Netflix and decide that Kilgrave guy seemed really cool. Yeah, don't don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. And uh, this, you know, I'm 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 not a hundred percent on this episode, but this bit with where uh, transmutates dispersing purple energy falls like purple snow is really nice. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that's a really good shot. And there are just bits of transmutate all over. All over the ground. She has some more final lines. It's like, good friend. Like, oh, friend. Good. Friend, good. Friend, friend, friend dark. dark. I am hurt. Yeah. Oh, it's and, delivered so well, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, 
I don't know if the episode quite earns it, but it is, it's a real tearjerker. The acting earns it even if the plot didn't. Yes. Yes. I mean, you had, I mean, Susan Blue, she wasn't in Beast Wars much, but she is a really good voice actress. She was the voice director on most of the show, wasn't she? Yeah, Yeah, she was voice director on most Transformers shows until, I think, the second season of Transformers Prime, uh, when actually her wife died. Right. uh, At which point she took a break. Uh, but then not too, a, a little bit afterwards, she, she has ended up remarrying like a massage therapist and I am so jealous. <laughs> so jealous. But anyway, the, the, the point and... is she's like, you know, a really good, very well established voice person. So between her and Campbell Lane and Scott McNeil, this episode and is just beautifully yeah. done. Yeah. And the, the directing here is, is really nice. The, you know, framing of these shots and the, the snow effect. Yeah. And Silverbolt just tells Primal to leave uh, Rampage B because uh, today we are brothers. Yeah, while Rampage is cradling the head of Transmutate. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that that is the episode. It's It doesn't as quite said, work hella as dark. well. Yes. It is hella dark. It doesn't quite work as well as it could, but... It's a lot to pack into 22 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it requires you to invest a lot in this character in a very short period of time. Yes. Yeah. Gets a right, lot again, of credit does... for trying and a lot of credit for getting as much right as it does at the time that it did. Yes. Yeah. But... Yeah, again, this came out in 1998, so... I mean, but... Christy Marks is... I mean, she's a good writer. She does do a lot of you know, progressive stuff. And for 1998, this was pretty great. Yeah, but but trying to fit into the normal Beast Wars action-y setup is a detriment to the episode, in a way? Yeah, it, it, it would almost fit better in something like Star Trek, where you don't have the mandate for action, and also it's an hour long. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to an episode of Rachel Miles earlier where they were doing an interview with uh, the then-current writer of Adjectiveless X-Men, because I'm way behind on all my podcasts sometimes. Was it uh, G. Willow Wilson? Yes, it was, and she was talking about how her editors were always telling her, that's great, but where's the part where they punch each other? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a problem with genre writing in general. Uh, I know that I've questioned my my own work uh, and I would like to note that, that my agent will, well not my agent yet, but the agent I am hoping for will hopefully be getting back to me on my revisions any day now. Uh, so so I speak of this in a fairly you know, professional manner that I, I know I've certainly worried in my own writing whether whether there is enough, enough punching and stabbing with swords. Uh, and yeah, that's something that you end up kind of having to, to balance because especially for something like that, that is for that particular audience that wants to see punching, mm-hmm. you, you have to balance that out. Uh, and like I said, that was a lot of what, uh, was said as to why the episode she put together for season three didn't work out was because there, there wasn't enough action. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a little too too much on the feels and not enough on the punching. So, yeah. I mean, this isn't just genre work, but genre work that is intended to sell, you know, plastic toys that shoot spring-loaded missiles at each other. Yeah, and that's got to be <laughs> that's that's got to be much worse than just trying to write, 
you know, adventure fantasy for adults. Yeah, especially since the title character isn't an actual toy. Did eventually become a toy, as we mentioned before, but... Twice. Twice. There's the the, the Build-A-Figure that came in with the uh, Beast Wars anniversary figures, and then there was a club exclusive that I think is uh, it's Prime RC, right? Yeah, which is a nice... Yes, which is a good mold. Yeah, and it's a nice color scheme. But yes, the... uh, it was basically an, an alternate universe sort of story where she wasn't, I don't know the best way to put it, she she wasn't created in the manner. That went through hell and back before managing to turn on. Yeah, she yeah. wasn't from a damaged stasis pod. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really our last uh, sort of traditional stasis pod episode. Um. And I mean, this isn't a yeah. traditional stasis pod episode well, because they're yeah. not selling you the character that came out of the stasis pod. Yeah, yeah. There's no more characters that pop out of a stasis pod who show up. We get more characters, but alternate delivery systems. Yes. Season three and is going to be interesting to, to go into for me because I don't think I've rewatched a lot of it since it first aired, so I, I don't remember. Well, hey, only uh, three episodes to go. Yeah. Oh, be- because next time, the first item on our agenda is the first part of the agenda. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so we will be back giving you that in one short week. But until then, you can find us all over the internets. We are on Twitter at, at @stasispod. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash stasispod. And we're on Tumblr at stasispod.tumblr.com. And our RSS feed is hosted by iaconunderground.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and uh, while you're there, rate and review us. That'd be great. And, uh, hey, if you want to talk to us about, uh, you know, the various issues that this uh, episode presented, then uh, why don't you drop us a line into the old Maxim mailbag? You can write it into stasispodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your letter on the air. Yeah, we like email. We haven't got any in quite a while. And this is a, a very discussable episode. Oh, yeah. All sorts yeah. of stuff that I'm sure we didn't talk about. So, until next week, when uh, we kick off the season-ending and possibly reality-ending three-parter, Spoilers. I've been Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. to talk about on the episodes. Uh, does it, do we want to do uh, uh, Last Sins of the Wreckers uh, on this one, or do we want to wait till that series is finished and we know what's going on? Uh, you can... Uh, I'm behind on it, so... I, yeah, I've only read okay. the first one. I've okay, only read the first few pages of the first one. Okay, because uh, Beast Wars kind of stuff happens in the second issue. Oh.
Yes, very much yeah. so. Also, I think there's some stuff that I, I don't know if I would even call it a theory so much as I think I have an idea of where he's going with this. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know who the bad guy is. Yeah, I mean, there's some, uh, there's some imagery going on there that, uh. Oh, right, I, I do remember hearing rumors. I definitely need to catch up on that. Indeed. Yeah, that's gonna be a lot to unpack. Yeah. Let's start unpacking. All right. On the stasis pod.